Praise the Lord, everybody. And what a joy it is to be in the house of the Lord. God is so good to us. Amen. It is, it is truly an honor to be able to worship together in spirit and in truth in the middle of the week, the middle of a work week, to be able to break bread together and to get into the Word of God. So I'm very thankful. Uh, I'm going to uh, continue the lesson I was teaching a couple weeks ago, uh, Psalm chapter 86, and uh, we're going to... I'm going to do a real quick review, and then we'll uh, go from there. I'm uh, Just a real quick, I, I don't like to review a whole lesson that I've already taught, but it is necessary for those that maybe didn't hear it or uh, those that did hear it to kind of remind you where we were at uh, when I let off. But how's the prayer going, 24 hours of prayer? Amen. Amen. Everybody doing okay with that? Had some failures along the way? Amen. Let's just be real about it. I have. I picked a lousy time. And I promise you, if I ever do this again, I will not pick that time. Because I've, I've had some failures. But stay the course. I really do want to encourage you. Uh, you know, sometimes I, you know, I just got it in my mind. I'm a list maker. And if I can't do it right, just, you know, shut the whole thing. But that's not what we're doing here. We are, we are just coming right back and doing the best we can in prayer. This is the first time we've ever done this. And we will do it again because it's very effective. I, I cannot get over the involvement of this. And so I'm very thankful in that regard. But I think that we can uh, tweak it a little bit and uh, maybe tweak our own schedule on what works for us and what doesn't. Uh, but please continue to, to stay the course on it and keep on praying. Uh, God is, uh, he is just doing a mighty work. Uh, more, you know, behind the scenes, I think, than, than we can ever even imagine. Uh, but, but when we, you know, I was just talking to the Lord the other day, and I said, God, our, our church is really, I mean, faithful and committed and willing to do whatever your word says, and I was just praying for God to bless our church with uh, just abundant blessings, and um, I know it's not in the, the blessings, but what I mean by that is just seeing him move in other people's lives. It doesn't even have to be our own, but just seeing him move and bless and heal and save uh, other lives. That, that excites me as much as it, if it was for myself, to be honest with you. And so just continue to do what you know to do. The media fast is going on this week, uh, in case you haven't heard or know about that. And that is a blessing. I'm telling you, to unplug uh, from the world's news and, and uh, entertainment and all that, it, it's just it's a real, real blessing to be able to do that. So if you haven't been doing that, uh, consider it just for a day or two of just unplugging and and enjoying uh, 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 Joy FM, you know, I don't listen to a lot of music, uh, period, and, uh, but I've been listening to a lot of Joy FM, and I, the other day I was just walking, and I thought, I am in a good mood, why am I in a good mood? I was really trying to figure it out, because there's just a lot of things that go on, and I mean, I just felt so good, and, uh, and it was, uh, really, I, I began to think and pray, and I thought, you know, the things that I'm pumping into my mind, the beautiful songs that are on Joy FM and, and just unplugging from the things of the world, it, it really, uh, it, it's refreshing. And I think that we can, uh, you know, re-look at our lives sometimes just by simple fasting. And I'm going to teach on fasting uh, next week. But when we fast and we give some things up uh, that we become dependent on and, uh, and reevaluate and break the cycles that we're in, uh, the new cycle can be a refreshing cycle we can learn some things. So I'm thankful for that as well. I, I want to entitle this a Psalm of Prayer and Psalm chapter 86. And I asked a couple questions. We answered three of them uh, <clears throat> last week. 
Actually, two of them we answered last week. One was a little bit longer. Number one was, why should we pray? Uh, we should pray because we have great needs. And when you look at the psalmist, whenever he was writing in Psalm chapter 86, in verse number one, he said, Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am afflicted and I am needy. You know, and we've all been there. We've all been afflicted. We've all had needs in our lives. So whether if it's not today, it's been at some point in your life that you've been needy and you've needed a Savior to help you get through that difficult time. So why do we pray? We pray because we have needs. That's why we pray. Uh, very simple. Uh, to whom should we pray last week? We talked about we should pray. And these, this is the psalmist whenever he states these words. He said, to the only true God, great in power, love, and mercy. And so what he understood, David had such a relationship with God. And, and I, boy, I felt the Holy Ghost two weeks ago when I made this point. When you have a relationship with the Lord and you're walking with him and you know him, you know his ways, it makes prayer easier because you are applying what you know about him. It's almost like, you know, you're casting your cares on him and your needs and you're talking to him about whatever the need might be. You know so much about him that you begin to... Uh, have a communication with them that's very intimate because you understand who you're talking to. You know, talking to a perfect stranger is different than me talking to my wife. You know, I know her. I know what she likes to talk about. I know what it is that uh, interests her. And when it comes to the things of God, the psalmist understood so well who God was that they had an intimate relationship with him. And those prayers, I don't believe it was a drudgery for him to pray and talk to the Lord, but it was automatic because it was like he was talking uh, to his best friend or his Savior. Uh, to approach God's holy throne, and this is the point I made in verse number five, we must know that he is good, he is ready to forgive, he's abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon his name. That is a wonderful description of our Lord. That is, that's just the abundance. I love that word abundance. That means that he, he wants to bless you more than you want to bless other people, more than you want the blessings yourself. Why? Because he's your heavenly father. And the Bible says all good gifts comes from who? Comes from him. And so if I know how to give good gifts to my kids, Kenny, you know how to give good gifts to your kids. How much more does he know how to give good gifts to his children? He's, he's sovereign. He knows the, the way. He knows the needs. He knows the, the avenue to bless us that we can't even figure out ourselves, but yet he does that. So once we understand who God is and we trust in him, all those attributes are revealed time and time again. Now let's get into the lesson tonight. The third question that I want to answer is how should we pray? All right? How should we pray? We, you know, we, we've talked about you know, a lot of different aspects of prayer, but how should we pray? And I, I pulled out these from the passage that I'm going to read. And, and you might want to, if you do have your Bible, turn to Psalm chapter 86, and you'll be able to kind of get an idea of where I'm going, because I'm not going to read the whole uh, chapter like I did last time. But I will make references uh, to that verse in, in the teaching, and I may not even read the whole, whole verse again, but I'll make reference to what uh, David is saying. But we, pray, we should pray earnestly. We should pray continually. We should pray with thanksgiving with humility, and with faith. These are, th these are the ways that we need to talk to the Lord in our intimate time with him. Now, David was very earnest in the way that he, he prayed to the Lord. He was very earnest. In fact, uh, he was going through some difficulty. So when he was praying, you better believe there was some earnestness about his, if that's a word. He was very earnest about the way that he was describing the problem that he had. Why? Because he was already going through it. 
So when he was describing it, he was very passionate. In fact, the, the bigger the problem, many times, the more passionate we are in our prayer time, right? When we are desperate and it is a big need and something that we cannot handle, it's way beyond our means to be able to solve that problem. We are usually more in tune. We're more ready to pray. Uh, we're ready to describe it in a better way. We're more passionate about it. And so that's where David was. He was praying with an earnestness about him. And so if God doesn't answer, David knows that he is he's doomed. He's in, he's in big trouble if, if God does not follow through for him. He's in trouble because the, the enemy was right. I mean, they're, they're on his back. They're right on his heels, and he's desperate. He understands, God, if you don't come in, if you don't take care of my need right now, I'm in big, in big trouble. And so he understood. He understood this is an important time in my life to get a hold of God. And he understood that this was, this was a need that was greater than his ability to be able to take care of. And so if God doesn't answer, he understood, God, I'm desperate, but if you don't answer, I'm dead. I'm in trouble because my enemy is after me, and they want to kill me. Now, the point is he wasn't just going through a mindless list of vain repetition in his prayers. Amen. I've talked about this before. Years ago, I remember whenever I was, you know, young, and we, I'd do the same prayer every night. Anybody ever did that? Anybody else? I mean, it was the same prayer every single night. I did, and I was real little, so you can imagine the creativity in that. I did so many hallelujahs, so many amens, and I counted them too. I, was, I told you I was very, you know, specific in the way that I, I do things sometimes. But I mean, every one of them. And then the, the girls' room was up, you know, the a wall over, and so we would all pray at one time. We'd say good night, love you, you know, and we'd yell through the walls and all this stuff, and uh, so we'd all pray at the same time. And I don't know how we got into that. I was just saying about that the other day. And, and so we would, but we would race to see who could get done quicker. And I was all for that. I mean, I was going through, I was, you know, just saying my hallelujahs and all that. And then, you know, I, my brother would say, I'm done. I said, you cheated. <laughs> and he'd be quiet for a while. And he'd admit, because, you know, he's praying. So for Pete's sake, he's got to be honest about it. He'd say, yeah, I, I cheated. You know, I knew you cheated on your prayer. You know, but, but that's vain repetition. You know, that's kids' prayers, and which is good, you know, for our kids to do that and to spend time with the Lord, but it's very ineffective in the way that we are presenting the need to the Lord. There's not a lot of heart. There's not a lot of connection. There's not a lot of passion. It's just, you know, doing the same thing. David was not at that point. When David prayed, he was praying out of desperation. He was praying like, God, if you don't come through for me right now, I'm in trouble. I, I, my whole life is at stake here, and I've got to get an answer from you. And that was David's way of praying at that time. And I think it's needed, you know, to, to, to look at the, the desperation. And I'm not saying that we all have people wanting to kill us. We don't, hopefully we don't have anybody wanting to kill us, but we do have needs in our life. And so we've got to pray like we are, we are a beggar that's, that's begging for food, that Lord, I, I'm going to starve if I don't get what I'm, I'm in need of right now. That's how desperate sometimes we are, maybe. You know, maybe there is something that big that we're so desperate. But even if we aren't that desperate, that it's not a life and death issue, I still think that we need to be connected with the Lord and passionate about the things of God. In other words, we need to be earnest about what we are asking for. God, this is what I have need of. I'm just being honest with you. Lord, you're my best friend. You're my Savior. You're my Lord. You're my Heavenly Father. 
And God, I've got some needs in my life right now, so I'm going to offer this need to you, and I'm going to describe it. I'm going to let you know that I have a, a desire, a passionate desire for this need to be met. Is that okay? Yeah. You better believe it's okay. I, I, would, I would be heartbroken, and you fathers and mothers would be heartbroken if you knew your kids were suffering and they were suffering in silence. I tell people all the time, don't suffer in silence. Let me know what's going on. Help, we'll walk through this valley with you. But to know that your own children would be suffering and, and not saying anything because they don't want to be a bother. They, they don't, you know, maybe they're a little afraid or reluctant to ask for a, a something that they have need of. That would break my heart. Well, the Lord's the same way. He is our Heavenly Father, and He's got a desire to give us what we have desire of. We really have to have that revelation. We need to open our minds to the fact that we are children of the Lord. And it'll revolutionize the way that we pray and come to the Lord. Uh, we need to pray uh, continually. Uh, David says in verse number three, he said, Be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I cry <clears throat> unto thee daily. He, you know, it wasn't just a, a hit or miss here and there prayer, but he continually, the Bible says he would daily come to the Lord and he would pray. Now, again, his continual prayers were driven by the intense need that he had. He, he had such a need and an understanding of desperation that if he did not have that need met, he was, again, going to be in a lot of trouble. Paul tells us in First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 17, he said, pray without ceasing. Now, he doesn't mean that we pray nonstop. It's not even doable. It's impossible to do. So if you're looking at the word of God, you're being literal about every single word that it says, don't take that one literal. That's not the literal message that's trying to be conveyed by the Apostle Paul to the church of Thessalonica. What he's trying to say is that you need to continually every day come to the Lord. In fact, I'll say it like this. I, I was very burdened Sunday night, uh, you know, and, you know, sometimes it's not easy to, to sleep when you're burdened about something. So I found myself just waking up and just uttering prayers, the same prayer over and over again. Now, that may seem like vain repetition, and perhaps it, it was in a way because I was so tired and groggy, but I knew what my heart was trying to say is that, God, this is a need, and this is a need that I'm going to continually bring to you because it's on my heart. And it was almost like it was oozing out of my heart because of the need was so great, and, and the, the desperation was, was there. That's what the Apostle Paul is trying to tell the church, that we need to pray continually uh, for that need throughout the day, daily, whatever it might be, however your, your, your life is set up to where you can maybe have some downtime to where you can take a little break and drive or, or walk or whatever and just talk to the Lord about it and remind him, not that he needs reminded, but just remind yourself that I can cast my cares upon the Lord who cares for me in the middle of my day right now. Sorry. Amen. That's the continual that he's talking about. And then... What he also did is he prayed thankfully. In verse number 12, he wrote this. He said, I will praise thee, O Lord my God, with all of my heart. He said, and I will glorify thy name forevermore. Yes. Amen. You talk about glorifying and lifting up the name of the Lord. That is a beautiful thing to do. Amen. You just feel the, 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 the incredible presence <laughs> of the Lord. The Bible talks about, you know, God inhabits the praise of of his people, and it's really talking about Israel, but we can take that same principle and use it for today. He, he, uh, uh, he, he inhabits that. He, he, he dwells in praise. He wants to be there. When there's a spirit of thanksgiving in your home, you can tell the difference, can't you? 
When there's a spirit of thanksgiving in your in your car or in the church or, or wherever you're at, when people are thankful and they are genuinely thankful, there is a certain anointing or error uh, that, that begins to fill that place where you're at because you're thankful. It's a positive uh, energy or it's a positive spirit, if you will, that is there because you are thankful unto the Lord. It means that you are recognizing how good he is. You're taking yourself out of, the, out of the equation, you know, and you're saying, you know, I, I don't have anything to do with this. I mean, I, I try to do what's right and faithful and all that, but when it comes down to it, the blessings of the Lord is from him. Amen. Your kids not being sick is a blessing from the Lord. Amen. You being able to pay your bills is not because you work hard. It's also because, it's, it's ultimately because God takes care of you and provides for you. Yeah. So we need to be thankful to him. But but whenever you start looking at this, I, I started looking at uh, where this was placed, uh, where the Bible says, and everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. He said it in First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 18. Well, guess what scripture I just read? Pray without ceasing. Verse 17. So he, he says, pray without ceasing. And then he goes right after that, and he says, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, you need to pray, you need to bring it to the Lord, you need to have a direct communication with him, but then when it's all said and done, whether he answers it or not, whether we get what we want in our timely way, you know, we God to me is always late in, in the flesh. Not really, but to me, to my opinion is, all the time, when I pray about something, I, I want it right now. So my opinion is, God, you're late. Now, that's just my flesh talking. Now, my faith says, God, you're on time. You know, I want your timing in this. I don't want my timing. I don't want it, you know, the way I want it. But, but in the flesh, you say, God, you, you always delay. You don't do it when we think you, we, that we, we need it or the time that we, we think that it ought to be done. But he does. And so whether it happens immediately or later, this is the deal. He's worthy to be thanked. He's worthy to be recognized as being the one that provides for us, uh, whether it feels like he actually provided or that he provided for us, provided what was best for us. That's the thankfulness that I think that we need to recognize uh, to the Lord. And this is what I, I told a part of the story that happened at work a couple weeks ago, and that was what God did for me. It wasn't the, the way, the avenue of getting the answered prayer. I wasn't too thrilled about that, but looking back at it, I realized that God answered a prayer by just, you know, in a way that I wasn't comfortable with, that I didn't like, but to him be the glory. He still got the job done. So I have to recognize him as being the one in charge of, of our lives. And then pray in humility. David's prayer is uh, really, it's just saturated with humility. When you begin to read it, he, he doesn't get angry. He doesn't get, you know, demand uh, you know, treatment because God, you know, after all, I've been so faithful to you and I've, I've been living for you for all these years. And, you know, I, I, I just, you know, I'm, I deserve this. I, I should have this. I, you know, when people say they deserve, you know, I, uh, well, my wife has had some discussions about, you know, different ministers that we've heard say, make different comments about how, you know, you know, you deserve this or we deserve that. And I, I really, I get uncomfortable with that. I, I really do because my opinion is this, and it may be a little bit off whack. You may totally disagree with me, but I don't really think that God cares, amen, what kind of car we drive, right. Right. amen, and the, or what kind of house we live in. Right. 
And the reason why I say that is because when I, God is the God of what? The entire world. Right? So we Americans, we live at this level right here. And then you go into the, you know, China or Africa or, you know, different uh, third world countries, and they're living way down here. Okay, is he the God of them as he is the God of us? So what is it that we think that, you know, we deserve this and we deserve that? I think we can be blessed by just simply living right and following the word of God. I think there's blessings in that. And sometimes God does, I think, bless his people. And that's fine. But I don't think that he's as worried about our lifestyle is we think that he is. Right. I'll tell you what he's worried about is a soul repenting and coming right. to the Lord. Right. Amen? So if we think more about, and I'm not preaching this church because you all have your, I mean, you've got it down. You've got your, your order of things. But, but just, you know, pretend that I'm preaching to the world right now. If they're more worried about the things of the, the world and their stuff than doing a work for God or seeing a soul saved, then I, I pity them. I really feel bad that the, the essence of their, their, their the epitome of their uh, climatic life of, of reaching the top is having stuff, you know, where moth and rust corrupts. I mean, that, that, that's their huge blessing in life. You know, when, when the true blessing is people, hearts, souls coming to the Lord. And, and, and I, I really feel that that's where David, as he, he was the king, I mean, he could have, you know, tried to demand. He could have put on an air and said, you know, I'm the king here. I, I shouldn't be praying like this. I shouldn't be begging. I mean, I'm the man. I'm the one in charge. I'm the, I am the one. I'm the royalty here. I'm the one that ought to be the, the, the one that, you know, I've got this aim, image to maintain, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that I've got this image. But he really didn't think about that at all because he, he was praying, you know, God, I just need your help. <laughs> You know, I'm just going to be real right now. He, he was humbly acknowledging his weakness and his needs for God's strength. He wasn't demanding. He wasn't coming in saying, God, I'm the king. I, I've been faithful. I've done all this, you know, all these years. No, he was humble about it. And he said, Lord, I'm, I'm in desperate need. And if I don't have an answer to this prayer right now, again, I'm, I'm in big trouble. And so he humbled himself. He was able to talk to the Lord like he was like anybody else, you know, uh, a son in need. Then he prayed in faith. Uh, this David affirms his trust in God in verse number two, and you can read it yourself. Uh, they can put it up there. Verse two talks about how he affirms his trust in God. Then he knows that God will answer him. In verse seven, he has a, a trust and a confidence that God is going to come through. Then his affirmation, verse number 13, is that, that God has delivered his soul from the depths of hell and he might be referring to perhaps a past deliverance, but I'm thinking he's more up to date. I think that he's so wrapped up with the enemy trying to, you know, uh, uh, take over his life and destroy him that he's caught up in the here and now. And so he is praying, God, not only have you delivered me in the past and you've taken care of me then, but you are still taking care of me today. So if you've done it before, Lord, you've delivered me from the paw of a lion and the uh, uh, a, a bear in the mouth of a lion and, and deliver me from these things. And, Lord, if you've done that before, then you can do this again. And so as he's beginning to pray, he affirms his faith in the Lord. Now, his request that God would show him a sign, and that's what he started praying. He said, God, give me a, a sign that they might see 
your greatness isn't, it, it doesn't really uh, come from him uh, saying, Lord, you know, uh, if you give me this token good, then I will trust you. If you can, if you can just throw me a bone here and make it look like you're, you're moving, then it can bolster my faith and then I can believe you again. No, that's not what he was really saying. But, but what, what was happening was his enemy was the trial had gone on for some time. So his enemy, you know, it was almost like they were mocking him. You know, you've been praying to your God, Israel, God of Israel. Well, guess what? Nothing's happening. And we're excited about that. It, it just validates our opinion of your God. He's not coming through. In fact, the, the insults really weren't geared or directed towards David. It was directed towards the Lord. And so David, he wasn't as much worried about his reputation because, remember, he was the king. He could have said, I'm not humbling myself. I'm not going to tell my God that I need him, that I'm in trouble. He could have done that, but that wasn't his way. He was very humble. But I'll tell you whose reputation was at stake. It was God's, and he wasn't going to have it. And he's like, God, vindicate yourself. Vindicate yourself and show that you are great, that you, that you can come through and you can take care of your people. Give me something, Lord, to show them how great you are. Now, let me say this. Faith, and I had a really good talk with Brother uh, Dumeris right after church. Uh, he's a faith preacher, and, I, and I, I love faith preaching. I really, I, I enjoy that. And But some people can become very confused when it comes to uh, faith preaching. And we had a really good talk about how, you know, we need to believe God. We need to trust in him. We need to have faith that that God can heal us, that he can perform, not only heal us, but perform a miracle in our lives. Amen. He said that brother, um, it was brother Chambers who lost, I believe he lost one of his children. Uh, right after that, uh, the Texas district wanted him to come to preach a, a camp meeting, and they wanted him to preach faith. And he said, I'll preach anything but faith. He said, I am not in a position. I just lost my, my I think it was his son that he had lost. And he said, I'm not in a, in a position because... I prayed, and it, and it didn't happen. And, and uh, the Lord spoke to him and said, you preach my word no matter what. If it's in my word, you preach it, and you preach it with fervor and anointing. And, of course, he obeyed the Lord, and he preached that, that word. But, but my point is this. There's times that, that God does not perform a miracle. Right. Amen? There's been some wonderful people that I've known in my, my years of growing up in this that, that, you know, you wonder. And people have to die of something at some point, right? Let's just be real honest about it. Uh, we're, none of us are going to live forever. So if you're, you know, taking the word of God and, and just what it says that anything is possible, well, then that means that eternal life is possible because they will never, a person would never die of anything. You know, any disease or heart failure or weakness so we are all going to die if the Lord tarries. How's that for a positive word? <laughs> we're all, you know, we're going to meet our maker at some point. We are going to leave this, this earth if the Lord tarries. But at the same time, God does intervene. And we need to preach the word of God that he can perform miracles. But on the other hand is this. And this is what we had a really good talk with. Because I, uh, I wanted to get his take on I wanted to hear him say it. He said there are times that, he said every time we need to, we need to verify, we need to go to the doctor, we need to, we need to use the means that we have that God has given to us. Yes. Amen? Yes. See, these right here, they're not holy spectacles that God gave me. These are man-made. Can I read a lick from my Bible? Nope. 
I sure can. And so I put these things on, man-made. Man has, I mean, God has given man the ability to solve a lot of problems. Amen? And there's sometimes that God uses humanity or the, 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 uh, the brilliance of men to, and women to be able to, to take care of, of problems that we have down here on earth. So you better believe that I'm going to go through every, every avenue that I possibly can while I'm coming to the Lord as much as I possibly can. We need to understand that as a church. We cannot be blind in our, our way of thinking. You know, not come to the Lord and all doctors and all science and all that. And on the other hand, we can't just say, God, you either do this or I'm going to kill over and die. Well, if that's what you want to do, then, you know, maybe that's your, that's your decision to do that. And I, I say that sincerely. There are some people that make that decision that they're just going to let it be in the, the hands of the Lord and let fate, you know, take care of itself. But at the same time, I will tell you this. I would admonish you to go through every avenue as you possibly can yes. when it comes to, you know, that's, you know, uh, wholesome and, and let the Lord use what the ability of man and maybe he'll use that or maybe he'll just say, get out of the way, humanity. I got this one. I'm going to just take care of this myself. Blinded eye, open up. Yes. Deaf ear, be unstopped. You know, death, get out of here. Get out of the room. I want you to live right now and, and begin to breathe the breath of life once again somebody's uh, uh, lungs. God can do that. But at the same time, we do have a responsibility to do everything we know to do. And I think that that faith, you know, faith is not a matter of closing your eyes to reality and jumping in the dark. That's not what faith is. Amen. I'm going to say that again. Faith is not a matter of closing your eyes to reality and taking a leap in the dark. That's not what faith is. That's not what faith is. There's times that God will lead us to those places but that's different than us just taking a leap and blindly going into a realm that we don't even have a clue whether or not God is there. What is his will? You know, we don't know what his will is. But rather, faith rests on, the, on God's character revealed over and over again, not only in his word, but also in life. We have a relationship with him, and he reveals himself. He reveals his character. He reveals his greatness. That's what faith is all about. And you know what? Sometimes he says yes, and sometimes he says no. Sometimes, you know, the, the no is, a, is very harsh, and it's hard, and we don't understand. It doesn't make any sense why the no was put in place. But you know what? The sovereignty of God has to rule. We have to have confidence and faith in what God uh, reveals as his will, whether we understand it or not. We have to recognize that that is the will of God. Faith does not presume, presume uh, to command God. Some preachers will say, you need to claim it. You need to, you need to tell the Lord this and tell the Lord that. But even Jesus prayed. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. I mean, Jesus himself had to back off and say, not my will, not this, not this human's will, not flesh, God, but your will to be done. Lord, I know what I want. That's very clear. It's very obvious. But Lord, it's all said and done. I'm going to step back and I'm going to say, not my will, but your will to be done. That is the faith I believe that David had, that he was putting his life directly in the hands of the Lord. Now, why should we pray? Because we have great needs. To whom shall we pray? To the only true God that has power, love, and mercy. How should we pray? Pray earnestly, pray continually, thanksgiving, thankful, uh, with humility and in faith. But what should we pray for? And this is the one that I want to 
look at. This is the final one that we're going to look at tonight. What should we pray for? And these are the three that I, I listed that I, I can find in Psalm chapter 86. Pray for salvation. Pray for teachable, obedient, single-minded, reverent hearts to seek him. And then pray for God's glory and supremacy over everything. Those are the things that I recognize in this scripture right here. Now, there's a sermon in each one of these in itself. I mean, we could go on and on with the specifics of each of all three of these and, and do a whole Bible study. But let me real briefly break down pray for salvation. David asked God to save him in verse number 2 and 16. Now, which in context obviously refers to him being delivered from his enemies. That's what he's talking about. That's what he, he's praying to the Lord for. So we know that is a subject that he is getting ready to be overcome by enemy, by his enemy. But in the New Testament, whenever you start looking at the New Testament terms, God, uh, we, we look at salvation not as much from people, you know, trying to kill us, but, I mean, literal salvation. God, help me to be saved. Help me to, to know salvation. Do you know that we need to pray for our salvation daily? Yes. I'm not saying that we need to repent. Uh, well, we do probably we do need to repent if we've done anything wrong. Yeah, we don't need to get baptized every day. Uh, getting the Holy Ghost, it'd be good to pray through every day, but uh, that's probably not going to happen every day. But one thing we need to do is recognize our salvation. Say, God, I I want to be saved because you know what? This is a, the secret here. We're not saved yet. We're in, a, we're in a saved condition, but we're not saved yet. You know, the back of the book and all the, you know, if we are there for the, the great tribulation, uh, you know, whether we're there or not, all this stuff hasn't happened yet. So we're not, we're not in heaven yet. This is not heaven. Some of you are so blessed of the Lord that you thought this was heaven. Well, it gets even better than this. You know, let me just go with that. This isn't heaven. We're not there yet. We are not saved yet. And so what we need to do on a daily basis is make sure that we stay in a saved position that if God comes back for his church, that we are ready to meet him. Amen? That's what he is praying for salvation. Now, he's talking, I know he's talking about horses and chariots and, and the military and these guys coming after him. But we can apply that. I think that will preach real well uh, to, to the New Testament church, that we need to pray for salvation. God, save my soul. Save my family. Save the people that I love so much and, and uh, that I, I save my city. Save my world, God. Save the people that I'm around every day. We need to pray for salvation. That needs to be a prayer uh, that we pray. What shall we pray? We shall pray about salvation. We need to pray about people uh, being saved. Now, uh, we also need to pray for a teachable and obedient, single-minded, reverent heart. That's, that's a lot. You know, teachable, obedient, single-minded, and reverent. These are things that we need to guard our heart. Because if we don't guard our heart, and if we just let all kinds of junk come in, or we're not aware of what, what we're thinking about or what we're feeling and the things that are coming in, guess what? I mean, you know, it's going to affect you. There's going to be, there's going to be a, a point where, you know, uh, the, the test, you know, I talked about how trials will 
bring out the best in us and bring out the worst in us. And who we are will come out when we're under the gun. When that pressure's on and we're going through that contrite machine, like my father-in-law used to, used to call it the contrite machine. And, and really, I, I can relate to that. You know, you just feel like you're just being pressed and pushed and, and the pressure just can almost seem like it's unbearable at times. But who you are is going to come out. Sometimes it's going to ooze out. Sometimes it's just going to splatter out. I mean, whether it's praise it to the Lord or it's just, you know, some things that shouldn't be there in our heart. When, the, when you're under the gun, when you're being challenged, whether, you know, innocently or, or maybe uh, directly, who you are is going to come out. And if we don't have our heart in the place that it ought to be, then guess what? Those things are going to come out, and they're going to show up in all kinds of different ways. It may not even be the way that you're really bummed out about or that you think that it ought to be towards. It'll, it'll come out in a different way. You know, when you uh, press down on a, you know, on, on a, you know, something that you're trying to uh, break, you know, it's going to, the weakest point is usually where it's going to just start spewing out, right? And, and at that point, when you're, we're at that, that pressured uh, place in our life, our weakest point is where it's just going to it's going to blow and it's going to come out at that time. So we need to pray for this. Now, I'm focusing on the wonderful request in verse number 11. <clears throat> he said, "Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name." Now, in any trial, a teachable heart is essential. And this is what I mean by that. When you're going through a trial, don't don't waste a trial without getting something out of that. Right. Learn something. Become stronger. You know, I'm not saying you're going to come out like you were and have the, the, the fervor and the energy and the attitude that you had before you went into it. You may have to recover a little bit. There might be a downtime or, or you might just take a few steps back and it just bulged over. I mean, it just knocked you down and it jolted you. You know, and so your faith has been jolted some, but don't leave that trial or that situation without learning something. Right. Amen. Don't let it be spoiled by not carrying something from, from that difficult time. Teach me your way, God. Let me see this. Let me, let me see, Lord, through this crisis uh, that, that I can become stronger, God, instead of weaker. God, you know, the, the loss that, that people have in it. I, I start talking about it, I'll just start crying. I just, I, I, I hate to see the loss of people and the, the, just the, 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 the heartache and the pain and the devastation that loss brings. It just breaks my heart. You don't, you don't like to see it. But, but there are times that we all have gone through that. And, and, I, and I hope that we have compassionate hearts enough to, to be able to, to be kind and to love people through those things. I know you all, you all do that. I, I understand that. But, but we, need to, we need to understand that no matter what, even through that difficult time, and the things that I can't even describe, that the anguish and the torment, God, that whenever I get through this and I get my mind back and my faith is back on track, that I'm stronger. Amen. Not bitter, not more bitter and angry at you, God, but I'm stronger. And I, my faith has been bolstered, and I, I've got more of an understanding of just, you know, <laughs> you're going to do what you want to do, God. Then I, and I worship that, and I worship your sovereignty, Lord, and I worship your no's and your yeses and your, your good blessings and the things that are withholding from me, God. But you are so good that I, my faith is, it, it recognizes who you are, Lord, because my main goal is not to be blessed down here. My main goal is to go to heaven. Yes. 
Amen. I may not get everything I want down here and get my way on everything down here. You know, and sometimes people think, you know, hey, you know, you're a pastor, you get everything you want. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Let me say it again. Ha, 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 ha. You know, that as we really don't understand. We really don't get it. And, you know, some of you are laughing. People that might, you think, are, oh, yeah, if I had your, your life or whatever, and you would say the same thing. You'd be like, you don't know the battles that I have to go through, right? Can I get a witness right now, y'all? Yeah, I'm talking about you right now. The things that you go through that people don't even understand or know, instead of being uh, angry or jealous or, you know, look at you funny, they'd fall down and just start weeping for you if they really knew the story sometimes, right? Amen? If they really knew what you're feeling sometimes or what you're going through, uh, they wouldn't do that. But, you know, that's people are people. You just can't worry about any of that stuff. You just got to do what you know to do. But I do know this. What we have to have in the midst of whatever we're going through, we have to have a teachable, obedient, single-minded heart that reveres the things of God. No matter what, we've got to do that. All right. Now, most of us instinctively, when we pray, we pray for a quick deliverance. But David, this is the way he prayed. He prayed that he will learn God's way so that he will walk in obedience to God's truth. More than just, you know, uh, doing his own thing or sacrificing for the Lord. You know, I, I would rather have obedience any day than sacrifice, and so would the Lord, right? Obedience is better than that's the word of God. So sacrifice, sometimes we can make that our offering, you know, our ultimate offering, because it does cost us something. But what really, what God's looking for is an obedient heart. Amen? Just an obedient heart. That's what the word of God has to say, an obedient heart. Let me say it again. God's looking for an obedient heart. And he will challenge us. And he will make sure that we go through whatever we have to go through to learn that that understand that principle of obedience to where we can say, God, not my will, but your will be done. God, I want your will to be done. And whatever you have to do, God, just do it. I want to go to heaven. You know, I, I just want to be there. I want to make sure I'm in heaven. So, you know, we, we tried to look for a quick deliverance, but David said, I want to walk in obedience to God's truth. And he prays that, that his loyalty will not be scattered or divided, but rather will be united and to be single-minded, all right? So if you're fickle, uh, God can help you with that. But if you, you have to change your focus. If you're, you know, if you're fickle one thing one day and one thing another day, you've got to change your focus on not being the one served, but the one serving. <coughs> See, that purifies the motives, doesn't it? It means that it's not about me, it's about somebody else. It's about how I can help them, not how they can help me. So that's how we can get, I believe, that single uh, focus to where we are unconditional in the way that we are, we are offering ourselves to other people. David wants to be holy. He wants to be devoted to God in, in a great way. And you can see it throughout the chapter. And so the end result is that he will fear or reverence God's name. That was his goal. He wanted to make sure when it's all said and done, whatever battle, situation he had to go through, that he was reverencing the name of the Lord, that he had the fear of God more than anything else. So often in trials, people, you know, that profess faith in the Lord, when things are going well, uh, uh, you know, they, they are they're okay, you know, they're, they're fine. But whenever they, they aren't going well, the trial, they'll look for something to, you know, get out of that trial. 
you know, whatever it might be or make them feel, make them feel better. They are interested in learning more about Christ and his sufferings, but they, they don't want to, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to go through it, uh, you know, walking through the truth of what they have to, to deal with. They want to be exempted from that. So they'll look for a different way. Uh, their hearts are grabbing for anything, even the, even false gods, whatever will give them relief from the situation that they're in, they'll have a tendency to grab for. And I think that we all have that tendency, you know, we want to be comfortable. We don't want to go through trials. We don't want to go through suffering. But we have to understand, what are we grabbing for? Who are we listening to? You know, our, maybe even our lack of understanding of, of everything about what's happening in our life doesn't mean that we just try to find answers everywhere else. We need to go back to the book. And you know what? Sometimes the answer is not there. Amen? You older folks that have lived some life, isn't there some things that you just didn't get the answer? You know? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. I can't answer that question. There's more questions today I'm being asked that, that I don't know the answers to suggesting. There's more today. Maybe I'm more honest than I was back then. I don't know. But, you know, you try to come up with an answer and try to, you know, well, the Bible says, and this is my experience. Well, it's, you know, not a whole lot of experience going on there. But as you live, you understand that there are some things that we just don't understand and we just don't get. So rather than submitting reverently to the things of God, they, they begin to get angry and real angrily against the things of, of the Lord. And so they, they get angry at him for the, the suffering and the pain or blame others for their unfortunate place that they're, they're in. But these reactions of individuals are seed that has been sown on rocky ground. This is the problem here. The, the word of God, the, the truth of God's word. Now, this being taught right now, there, there might be good seed, or the seed's always good. There could be good ground. There could be rocky ground. Uh, there could be just, you know, just uh, hard ground that, that there's nothing that will uh, ever be able to uh, 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 penetrate the soil or the sand. But, but there's good seed. When, when we have a heart to receive the, the word of God and the truth of God's word, then that means that that, that truth is going to go on good seed, and it's going to germinate, and it's going to establish something in our heart. And what is that something? Faith, because without, without it, we can't please God. And so we get that faith by hearing the word of the Lord. We've got to have a, a good soil or a good heart to receive what God has uh, for his people. Uh, the last one I want to look at, and I'm literally uh, closing here, uh, pray for God's glory and supremacy over everything. And I think that uh, that, that was David's goal when it was all said and done. He wanted to make sure that, that the prophecies, that, that all the nations will, and he said this, will worship, that verse number 12, will worship <coughs> before God and glorify his name. And verse 9, he also affirms that he will glorify God's name uh, forever. So these are, these are the, 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 the finality of his, his words was that God, more than anything else, <clears throat> I want to make sure that, that you are glorified. I want to make sure that you are the one that looks good, that you are to be praised in everything. So one reason that God brings trials, I think, into our lives is that we will call upon <clears throat> the name of the Lord and that God will bless his people, amen, by him being great. You know, sometimes he answers, sometimes he doesn't, but when he does answer, I'll tell you one thing, you know, I let people know, and I, I mean, I'm, 
Now, somebody had something happen recently. Now, my mind is just, I, I'm a, a little bit under the weather right now, but somebody recently had a, a praise for the Lord, and they told me, if you remember, if it was something really big, could you just uh, wave at me right now? Hey, man, I, I know you guys had something a couple weeks ago. Uh, just Yeah, in fact, it, there's something after that that happened as well, but what a great testimony. You know, I, she said, I have to tell you. I have to tell you. I think I even referred to this in a message about how God came through and answered that prayer. And there's no way that it could have been done without the hand of the Lord. So there are some things that is so obvious that we need to praise the Lord with. We need to understand that, that God came through and God is the one who, who uh, opened the door. In fact, in the Bible study just earlier, I'll tell you this. Uh, with Vanessa, there was a great testimony. The Lord impressed on her, uh, to on her uh, notebook, on her phone, or whatever, to write down uh, the plan of salvation, do a real quick study, and have it all down on her phone. This excites me more than anything else. And you might say, "Well, man, it doesn't take a lot for you to get excited." Well, let me tell you this: the next day, she had a, a coworker over in Missouri say, "Hey, I know you've talked about the Lord, not trying to get the story right, but..." Um, you know, can you send me some scriptures about something else? And immediately, she had it in her phone. The Lord already prompted her the day before to be prepared to send her exactly what she had need of. That excites me. That, you know, that may do absolutely nothing for you at this moment on this Wednesday night after 8 o'clock. You know, you're tired, thinking how long is he going to ramble on. But I'll tell you one thing right now, that excites me. Because that shows that we are apostolic. And that God's hand is in the middle of what we're doing. That's what I'm talking about. God is doing so much right now. Joe, I heard a couple of the, the ladies at work that you've been uh, witnessing to out of, the, out of the blue. You know, sometimes we think we've got to do that hard knock on the door and have a big old fat Bible in our arm and, and make people listen to us about Acts 2.38. That's not the way it works. It really isn't. It isn't with me. I don't care if I'm living for God or not. If I'm not in the mood to hear something... I had a salesman come to my door the other day, and, you, and Landon was there. It really, it just really rubbed me the wrong way, <laughs> to be honest with you. Now, I wasn't mean to him per se, but I wasn't nicey nicey either, you know. And, and I, that just, but I'm not in the mood to hear it. I'm, I'm in my home on, on this evening, and I don't want you coming to my door and trying to get inside my house and sell me some insurance. All right? Anybody else feel that way? You know, but, but I'll tell you what happens, though. When somebody's hungry for the Lord and God's dealing with them, hey, Vanessa, I know that you, you talked about Scripture before and, and the Lord's been dealing with me or whatever her story is. And right there, God has already prompted her to be prepared to give her what she has need of. That, that's exciting. And so I believe that his sovereignty and, and, and understanding how he is supreme in every area, those are the people that I want to fill the chairs in our church, the people that want God, not just, you know, we'll, we'll give things away. We'll do all that to get them maybe to come, and, and that's fine. I, I'm not opposed to that, but I'll tell you when God's in it, and God's already working on the heart, he's working on the other end, and then our paths cross, and that is apostolic. And that's when that word that we speak to them has eternal life about it. And, and that, that's, that's just beautiful. As we stand together, verse 5 says, For you, Lord, are good, ready to forgive, and abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon you. So we see that God is, is wanting to pour out his spirit upon all. And that's what David was saying. It, people need the Lord. They really do. They have a, 
They have such a need for the things of God. And uh, I'm going to close with this President Lincoln story here. And I thought it was a very good illustration about, I think, that sometimes we find ourselves in. Even if President Lincoln could find himself in that place, I think we could all relate. So President Lincoln came to know about Jesus through the burdens that he faced during the Civil War. He later said, I have been driven, I have been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had absolutely no other place to go. Amen. I don't know about you, but that's the way I feel. There's no other place to go. Amen. I, there's no other thing that I want to do but to just be a servant of the Lord. The world, all the, all the lights and the, the fame and the billboards and all the enticing you know, careers, and, and that's fine. I'm not against any of that stuff. I'm really not. But we can have that, but we can also, number one, have a dependence upon the Lord. That we know all that's just, you know, temporary, and it's going to come and it's going to go. But what we have in the Lord, our faith that we have in him, the presence of God that, that I felt, amen, on, on Tuesday or on, on Monday, just just. The, the, the Lord that I, I just felt his presence so strong. And I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't deserve anything. I wasn't praying like I, you know, I think I even failed to pray the full hour that morning. So I really didn't deserve what he gave me. But, but there's just that peace that I couldn't even explain. I can't even explain to you now. I would trade that for anything in this world. Nothing to have the peace of God. And that, I think, is what David found whenever he started, uh, you know, writing those words of inspiration from the Lord in Psalm chapter 86. God knew, boy, I'm going to be able to really talk to him and talk through him because this is a man that recognizes his need for the Lord. Amen. And I think that we're all in the same boat. We're all, we're, we all need the Lord. Some people might make a little more money than others. Some may live in a bigger home than somebody else. Some might have nicer clothes than others. But I'll tell you this, we're all in the same boat. We're on the same box here, amen. We're all in the, the same church, if you will, that we're trying to get to heaven. And we need him so badly. We're dependent upon him. And Psalm chapter 86, go home, study a little bit more, read it. Maybe that can be your prayer whenever you, you pray your hour tonight or tomorrow. And uh, I don't know who's praying right now. Uh, somebody's supposed to be praying right now. Yeah, it's a 24-hour prayer. I'm just kidding. I, maybe somebody here. I, I'm not, not trying to make a point here at all. I'd rather be in here. So, amen. Somebody's going to rat somebody out. I have a feeling. But we won't let them. We'll say, you're lying. <laughs> but God is, God is good. I just want to make sure that I, I uh, my heart's right with him. Make sure your heart's right with him. Let that be your prayer. God, I want to. I want to know your salvation. I want to make sure that your abundance and your glory and your mercy, God, I want to be all about your mercy, Lord. I want to not only show mercy, but I sure want to receive your mercy too. Amen.